The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Hey guys, this is Mish from Literature, and you're listening to the Best of the Week show, the only place where you can listen to all of the highlights from all of the shows this week. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. Dexter uh, worked really, really hard um, to get Black City of Death number two finished, and you need, remember he's now doing all of it. He's doing uh, layouts, pencils, inks, and painting often all at the same time. It's his process is amazing to watch. Uh, but he turns out these beautiful pages and then he's also doing like all these other books too. And, uh, <laughs> he was really pushing himself. So he's, he was, uh, uh kind of straining his muscles a little bit, which I, I feel, I'm going to say, I feel his pain. I don't, I don't, I don't draw. I do graphic design on the computer. So I actually developed, I had this really cool project at the beginning of the year. Um, but the deadline was insane. So I'm like on the computer all the time with my moving my mouse around, typing, moving my mouse around. And I developed a tennis elbow from that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. So I have this brace on my arm and I look ridiculous. And I'm like, why, why do you hurt? How'd you hurt your elbow? Uh, I play sports. Yeah. Yeah. Sure I was out. I, I was out making tennis, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was out doing tennis. <laughs> I was doing the tennis. Have you ever done uh, tennis? I was doing tennis, and it was good. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, my arm was in pain, and I was done doing tennis. Can I just yeah, also doctors. mention to our listeners that they're not getting boobies in your co- – well, I mean, there might be boobs in your comics, but I more oh, mean these covers, so- these nude variants. <laughs> nude means without me. text, textless, as it were. So – I've been told that I'm supposed to call them virgin covers. Oh, yes, the virgin variant. Absolutely. Yeah, but I maybe I'm just a, a dirty old pervert or something. But when I hear virgin covers, I think of someone you throw into a volcano to appease the gods. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I've been calling them nude covers. But uh, my friends keep saying, no, they're virgin variants call them right thing it's like i can't it feels dirty oh i don't care what um, you call them i just think they're amazing no they're gorgeous so the ones we had printed up for the last campaign i went ahead and um spent a little bit extra on those and i don't know again maybe i shouldn't because i'm supposed to be watching my budget but i want to give my backers the best so uh got the glossy covers glossy pages and everything and so i get these back and they're just they feel premium. They feel like a masterpiece because one, you got this beautiful, amazing art by Dexter on the cover. And, um, then you open up inside and I feel now that I see it. The best way to present Dexter's art is in glossy. So I think we're going to, um, try to find a way to continue doing that. Uh, definitely for these, uh, Virgin variant covers. But I really want to kind of see if we can't um, scrape up enough extra money to do the regular books in uh, this high gloss paper because it just presents the art so much better. Helps to make his colors really beautiful. pop. I'm oh, guessing very much so. It's incredible just to see the differences. It's it's like the difference between uh, CMYK on the computer and RGB on the computer. If you know uh, anything about coloring oh, oh yes and stuff like that yeah it's it's huge because c1yk on the computer will look really dark because it's not you know made for computer screens it's made for printing 
and so it'll print uh, different. It'll print correctly, but I don't know. It's <laughs> talk to a nerd about it. I'm a geek. They'll tell uh, you all about it. I know it. my job. I don't know how it works. <laughs> That's uh, super well said. Yes, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I just can't explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Not possible. Well, I'm looking forward to so, yeah, everything that you guys are doing with Black Suit of Death. Uh, I want to say that, you know, I, I feel like you guys are going to, I mean, not to, I'm going to like knock on wood here, but I feel like you guys, <laughs> you guys are going to make this one happen. And I know it seems like it's a tight squeeze right now, but I believe in it, man. And we've got a lot of people, like I said, that really enjoy what you guys are doing yeah. over there. And uh, it's a creative story. I have said probably since day one that someday this thing is going to get made into a, a movie and hopefully I narrate that movie somehow or a TV series <laughs> like, you know, the underlying voice that tells the story of doom because I feel like ultimately black suit of death has a lot of doom coming. Like I feel like in a brilliant way, it's kind of what it's makes the, the story. Reaper, of course there's doom. I mean, right. That it, if, if, if you missed them, if it was like all flowers and sunshines, people would be very confused at what you're trying to tell here. <laughs> Crack open the book. Flowers and sunshines episode or, not episode, comic just, book, just, uh, just like issue, issue, chapter. I don't know. Just one panel, man, where the suit's just like going through Teletubby land or something, chopping oh, off Teletubby chop heads. Off heads. <laughs> Dude, just chop them up. Exactly. Die, you imbeciles. But then he's just still holding a flower people. is the thing. Like he's still holding the flower. Oh, but he, he still... stops and smells the roses. He appreciates flowers. Wait, does the suit that's, have that's a nose? True. That's actually true. Okay. The suit or, well, the inventor of the suit. He does appreciate flowers big time. See? It's all very, built in. Flora is very important to him. Man. Haha, that's an Easter egg. You ought to read issue two to see what I'm talking about. Ooh. I don't know. But yeah, it is. It is, is actually something that is as part of Sietzen's character is his, his connection to flowers. So, dum, bum, bum, go find it. Uh. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, BSD would stop and smell the roses. Well, and then chop people up. <laughs> let's stop, stop smelling the roses. I don't, that's a double negative. I think that, I guess that means we're starting to smell the roses here. But uh, we're going to move forward with our show. You're going to help me out here a little bit because I'm going to throw a little bit of comic book world news your way, and we're going to dish on that a little bit. And as always, guys, just want to mention it again. You're going to hear it a couple times throughout the episode. Fund.blacksuitofdeath.com. Go there. That's their Kickstarter if you can give the 54 tier, honestly, those ver those virgin covers or nude variants or whatever the hell you want, textless cover variants, whatever you want to call them, are stellar. Just to reiterate that again, the art is amazing. The story is amazing. You guys don't want to miss out on it. No, you do not. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to throw, let's say, okay, did you see, did you guys uh, get a chance to check out that Black Panther flick? Twice. Oh, what did you think? I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, every movie has its flaws, and I kind—I I stopped nitpicking about ten years ago or something, and just like decided I was gonna just go to a film and enjoy it. I think and it just so, depends. Like, sometimes I'm like that. Like sometimes I'm like, man, I don't want to nitpick this shit. But then other times I'm like, no, Walking Dead. She did not just pull that giant ass board <laughs> off with her bare fucking hands after I just watched Rick use a hammer and take fifteen minutes to get four nails out of that. Michonne right. does not have those kind of hands. Sorry. Anyways, I digress. 
Um, she owns a fucking samurai. Of course she does. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to say real quick that some numbers came yeah. in. Of course, we're at the point now where um, Black Panther is about to be released digitally, and then it'll come out. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, physical release. I think that's the first week of May. It's like May eighth, May fifteenth is when that comes it's out. It's crazy because it's still in the theater, and they're already talking about its release. It's like, oh, that's just crazy. Here's some stats for you. Globally, Go it's made it. one. How do I even say this? <laughs> One. You put put your pinky to the edge of your lips. <laughs> shave your head bald. Get some funny glasses. A hairless cat. Scientist suit, and then you can say it. One hundred billion dollars. I don't know. Is that reference too old? No, 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 myself? no. Come on now. Austin totally Powers is not too something. old. One hundred thousand dollars. What? That's nothing, man. I know. One it's crazy trillion dollars. Okay, yeah, man. I loved Austin Powers. Um, it was great. Oh, it was great. The sequels, eh? They were fun, but the first one was just absolutely brilliant. Anyways, Black Panther has hit how much? Like, um, it looks like right now it has hit. If my math is right. One billion three hundred and three million point two globally, and Isn't that's crazy. And that's split up six hundred sixty-seven, uh, six hundred sixty-seven point two million domestic and six hundred thirty-six million internationally. It's amazing. I mean, it just smashed box office numbers here. Uh, A plus cinema score, ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Third biggest release of all time. Uh, first film in eight years to spend five weeks at number one. Eight years. Think about that. That's 2010's yeah. last time that happened. Uh, yeah. It made a, a second all-time in a four-day holiday weekend, only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens. Biggest February debut of all time. Fifth uh, debut Friday through Sunday, because, of course, they had that Monday, which was the extra day. Biggest Monday yeah. of all time. Uh, biggest second weekend, only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens, number one superhero movie of all time. From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is The Paul Report, with your host, Andrew Paul. Now, for those of you who have been not following the show, the show's formats usually I talk about some recent events going on in the world of government, entertainment, just kind of covering the full gambit of news in our day and age and in the age of President Donald J. Trump, that can tend to be a lot of things. And this will be my last episode in that format, at least for a few episodes. I'm... Uh, Going through some stuff right now that'll kind of tie me up a little bit until June. I've talked about it in previous episodes with wedding stuff and house stuff. It's going to be a little bit of a hectic schedule here. And I want to make sure I still bring you great content. So I'm going to be moving from this format to a series of profiles on important people or people that are in the news recently. I'm going to try and keep this as current as possible even if I do record these a little bit in advance just as my schedule allows, just so I can't get you the latest breaking news as of Monday. So with that said, I have a f list of some of the people I'm going to be focusing on right away, and that involves Mark Zuckerberg, after his recent uh, 
recent appearance in front of Congress. It'll be on Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, and Paul Ryan, the outgoing Speaker of the House. Also, probably will touch on some few people, and if anyone jumps out as we're preparing, if they're preparing episodes, they'll be added to the list. Not sure who's going to come next or who's, what's going to be episode 34 yet, but once I know, but the good news is some might come up at multiple at a time. So for your Patreon subscribers, if you pay a dollar for early access, you will sit to listen to those episodes early. And while you're already in the Patreon page at patreon.com slash journey into comics, you can, for $3, you can have access to The Road to the Infinity War, which is rapidly approaching Infinity War, which comes out in, I believe, next week. It's already here, or two weeks from now. It's coming up quick, so definitely get your tickets in that, and if you want to get caught up on all the shows, all 18 movies preceding Infinity War that are part of the MCU and haven't had a chance to do it, for much less time involvement, you can listen to the reviews of all of those shows for probably only taking about nine hours compared to the two hours per movie you're looking at a nice long weekend watching mc movies which i know for some people on our network like nate have already done it has been a weekend but they've probably he's probably watched more of those shows in preparation for infinity war than anyone else on the network so good for him and yeah so that's what you can do for three dollars a month which is pretty easy i mean it's one gallon of gas or it's a cup of coffee or it's uh Spend more of that in a vending machine if you're hungry at lunch. Kind of one of those things. But this is the Poor Report. I am your host, Andrew Poor. If I haven't said it already, kind of got into a spiel early and didn't really get to introducing myself. But this is still the Poor Report, and this is my last episode doing this. But I want to talk about a few things I found were kind of interesting between last episode and now and some stuff that came out as of today. So let's kind of jump in on that. So for those of you who don't know... Former President Barack Obama had a vice president, and that vice president was Joe Biden. And, as of recently, Joe Biden is the front-runner for the Democratic ticket for the 2020 election. Now, his age is a concern. He's going to be... He would be 78 years old at the time of Inauguration Day in 2021. But, that's not to say that President Donald Trump will be that far off. He's about four years younger than Joe Biden. So we're kind of splitting hairs. I know four years you're comparing a 75-year-old to a 78-year-old. It's not really that big a deal. So we'll kind of have to see how that shakes out. But according to this article from Politico, Joe Biden, who leads the Democratic 2020 presidential field in early polls, has all the markings of a frontrunner. He possesses a sterling resume, access to a donor base, name recognition, and eight years of loyal service to a president who's loved by the party base. There's just one problem. He's a deeply flawed candidate who's out of step with the mood of his party. Biden hasn't announced he's running for president, of course, but he's made he's made clear he's seriously thinking about it. On Sunday, he confirmed it again on MSNBC's Political Nation. The decision, he said back in February, will be based on whether it's right for me to do. But that's the wrong question. What Biden should be asking whether the party wants him and not just whether he should seize his last chance. His advanced age, Biden would be 78 years old at this time of swearing in, isn't the main obstacle. While Biden's age would be a non-starter in most presidential elections, if he continues to appear hale and hearty, it would not be an insurmountable problem against Donald Trump, who would be 74 himself in 2020. Trump would also provide cover for another often-discussed Biden drawback, the overly familiar mannerisms that seem terribly out of place in the Me Too era. Next to Trump's access Hollywood tapes and the litany of sexual misconduct charges leveled against the president, 
Biden's handsiness barely registers. The bigger issue is whether there's a place for him atop the Democratic Party that's taking shape after the ruinous 2016 election cycle. This new iteration is unsentimental and unforgiving, and Biden has more than a few conspicuous Senate votes that demand a reckoning in the Trump-era Democratic Party. One of them is the bankruptcy reform bill that he championed for years until it finally passed in 2005. The political taint from the law favored by credit card companies because it made it harder for consumers to get debt relief through bankruptcy shows no signs of subsiding on the left. It resurfaces a thorny issue during Biden's vetting as Barack Obama's running mate in 2008, and reappeared nearly a decade later to haunt Hillary Clinton during her 2016 Democratic primary. One of the law's leading critics, Senator Elizabeth Warren, has emerged as a top Democratic presidential contender herself, so has Senator Bernie Sanders, who likewise taps into the populist anti-Wall Street energy in the party's grassroots. Biden could argue that his views evolved over time, that as a senator, his legislative record reflected the need to represent the financial services companies that provide so many jobs in the, his home state of Delaware, but isn't likely to be convincing to progressives. Clinton tried a variant of that when she was accused of being too cozy with Wall Street. I represented Wall Street as a senator from New York, she said in one Democratic debate, but it did little to insulate her from Sanders' persistent criticism. And Biden's competition wouldn't be a lone independent socialist. The Democratic field is expected to be historically large and is likely to feature more than a few candidates with nearly pristine records on the issues that animate the party's foot soldiers. The 1994 crime bill is another ticking time bomb from Biden's past, as Obama's vice president and a key member of an administration that sought to reorientate criminal justice policy. Biden was never truly called to account for his leading role in passing a Clinton administration measure that many in the party believe exacerbated an era of mass incarceration that disproportionately affects racial minorities. But there's no dodging it in the next Democratic primary. Hillary Clinton was confronted on the 2016 campaign trail by Black Lives Matter activist merely for advocating the crime bill's passage as First Lady. Biden, meanwhile, has proudly referred to it as the 1994 Biden Crime Bill. He still doesn't fully comprehend its radioactivity, while Biden has pointed to provisions of the bill that have troubled him. As late as 2016, he was still defending it and insisting that he was not at all ashamed of the legislation. There are other issues in Biden's portfolio that would have problematic with influential factions within the current Democratic Party, among them his, his vote to authorize for use of force in Iraq, and his history on abortion rights. By the end of his Senate career, Biden was a staunch defender of reproductive rights, but there's still a collection of votes and quotes over the years that will raise questions about his reliability. Considering the discomfort surrounding Tim Kaine in the run-up to his selection as Clinton's running mate in 2016, despite a perfect record on abortion rights while in the Senate, Kaine's personal opposition to abortion and a checkered record on the issue as Virginia governor left many liberals uneasy with the prospect of him on the ticket. It's not clear that he could have made the cut were the presidential nominee someone other than Clinton whose commitment to reproductive freedom was never in doubt. None of this denied that there is a solid case to be made for Biden's candidacy. It begins with a deep reservoir of goodwill, his retail politicking skills are undeniable, and his qualifications for the White House are unrivaled. During a moment when preparation for the job is no small matter, he is for the most part a mainstream liberal who even publicly supported gay marriage before Obama did. No one doubts Biden could take the fight to Trump. In fact, he's already begun calling the president a joke, telling him to grow up, and most recently musing that he would beat the hell out of Trump if they were in high school. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Biden reveals in his role as the party's special emissary to the middle class, and he remains the rare national Democrat who can connect with blue-collar constituencies that have long since left the fold. When the party needs to speak to Green Bay or Youngstown or Western Pennsylvania, Uncle Joe is the guy who gets the call. It's a sign of times that the familiar, out-of-power Democratic hand-wringing 
about how to win back the white working class is quieted, it's no longer a universally held opinion that it's necessary or even prudent for the party to chase voters who cast a ballot for Trump. Within some party circles, working class whites are not viewed as essential to the racially diverse coalition that believe represents the party's future. And a septuagenarian white male, septuagenarian white male, Biden is a highly unlikely prospect to lead the new coalition. It's a testament to its talents that's even subject to debate. And my own personal thoughts on this, yes, Biden would do the job well. Yes, his age is of concern. But being that close to Trump's age, it's not really out of the question. I just think it's time for kind of a new slate of candidates. I don't want to see Elizabeth Warren back. I don't want to see Bernie Sanders back. I really don't want to see Joe Biden back. I mean, he didn't obviously didn't campaign in 2016, but I remember breaking news. I remember actually watching it on a random weekday morning when he announced that he wouldn't seek the 2016 nomination or wouldn't run, which ultimately gave Hillary a chance. I'm pretty sure if Biden would have thrown his hat into the ring, Hillary Clinton probably wouldn't have won the nomination. Then it would have been an interesting election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Red meat, we crave sustenance. Guys, we are not invading my aunt. This movie is a total mind bend. It does. It mind fucks you throughout because you, you're you're constantly. I feel like this whole movie you're constantly led to feel like you should believe a certain like aspect or vision of the movie, mm-hmm. and then throughout the movie, like before the movie's like by the time the movie is over, you're like, oh my god, there was one thing that was said like early on. That if they would have just held true to that, we would not be here right now, you know? See, I feel like this movie was really well done. It was it was really smart. It made you... Th- it stayed with me after I watched it for a long time just because I didn't like the ending. I loved the movie, but the ending was... It was just like, oh, stone cold, savage. Well, so, you know, Caleb uh, comes to find out that he's going to test an AI. Let me t- let me explain. It. Sure, let me explain as it. best you can. I was doing it slowly to kind of build it up and, and to, you know, give them the full experience. Also, interesting to note that Nathan's last name was Bateman. I don't think they ever bring it up in the movie, but of course, to the credits, it says Nathan Bateman, Patrick mm, Bateman, American Psycho. There's some similarities in this movie. I'm just this saying. movie had so many little things going on, so many derivatives that you know you could Easter egg galore, you know. If you really think about it, like even just the way that it was shot with the cinematography and like the the film lit nerd in me was like, oh, I see what they did there with their symbolism, you know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had like the what was that? Um, Metropolis is that a movie? Is that the movie from nineteen thirty two? I think it was. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know the movie but Metropolis. Like, like they had some shots that were similar to that too: low lighting, internal interior buildings. Oh yeah, close space. This was a very artsy movie for not being an art film if you know what i mean correct it was really well done though it was so believable so this movie is about this guy who is sent to his boss's private island estate like in the the wood i don't know where the hell this place it's is like Nobody a does. private island it's like it's not Jurassic an island. park yeah yeah it's yeah he huge property big estate and so he gets sent there and it's like this weird underground compound that's subterranean. It's a research facility because the boss of this company has developed um, robot and he wants this guy to 
see if this robot can pass this test to where she displays actual consciousness, whether or not it's real or not. So this whole movie is just total mindfuck, like you said. Uh, it's interesting to note that it... And it doesn't go where you think it's going. No, and I think that was the best part of the movie is the fact that it goes where you're not thinking because... And you don't know what kind of movie it is because there's some funny aspects to it. There's a lot of, like, like thriller aspects. Yes. Like, there's slight Suspense horror. Too. It's like the shiny... It's like Stanley Kubrick and... I don't know. It was a really interesting amalgamation of film styles in one very sinister, like, but very, like, creepy... Well, Ava, which is uh, that lady's name, Alicia Vikander. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Okay. uh, She's the AI, and uh, she plays Ava. And Ava and Caleb kind of have this bond. And there's this whole back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, he's testing her to see if she can pass for human during the test. And she's like... You, you know, it's interesting to note because this is a word that gets used later, but she she easily manipulates him early on, mm-hmm. asking him a little bit more personal questions and then dropping questions like, are you single, essentially? Mm-hmm. And it's like, where is his brain going to go? Of course it's going to go to the emotional side of it, and then that changes things. So when that happens in the movie, it changes the dynamic. You come to find out Ava has the ability to, like, temporarily shut the power down in the place, like, by overloading the grid right. or something. and shit. you don't know... If what and you're like the main character in this movie, you have no idea what's real and not. At one point in this movie, he was even questioning whether he was AI and like had to like cut his arm to see if he that would actually intense. bleed because he was just so screwed up from this experience. That was a really intense scene. Right. Just watching him cut himself down the road like that, it was. Whew. I was like, it was Jesus. an intense movie. This is not for the faint of heart. This is a a slow burn of a movie. It's like an hour and forty eight minutes long, so it's a little long, but. It was really worth watching. I I liked it. I give it like, I give it eight out of ten pizza slices. Eight out of ten pizza slices. Breaking the grid again because we usually go on a five, but we'll switch it to eight out of ten. Do we? Yeah, we always go on a five, and then we add the little extra toppings. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It happens. Um, we've been away from this show for a while. You got to think the last time we did can, this show. Can it just be the thing where it just is a rotating thing? It just changes. It's just pizza. It's just pizza. As long as it's pizza. As long as it's pizza, I don't care. Sure, that's great. Um, that way you don't ever have the ability to compare whatever. Well, if it's pizza, should what we be giving it like small, medium, or large status? Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. either. We're missing an opportunity here. Uh, well, I will say that Domhnall Gleeson, awesome actor. He's obviously General Hux in the Star Wars movies. I saw him in Frank. Yeah, um, that's an awesome movie with Michael Fassbender. What I yeah, another thing of, to, to note about this movie is that those two actors um, were both in Star Wars together, and those movies came out the same year. And I had seen this movie before I saw Star Wars, so it was really weird for me seeing these actors in the Star Wars roles because they're so different from the characters oh, man, that I first saw like them in exactly. in this movie. Like opposites. They're almost exactly opposites. Yeah. So it was really weird for me watching Star Wars that year. Like, whoa. (laughs) And of course, yeah, uh, that guy was in uh, Frank. That was a really good movie I'd recommend seeing too. Oscar Isaacs, of course, was also in X-Men Apocalypse as Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Um, Poe Dameron in the Star Wars movies. Yeah. uh, Oscar Isaacs killing it. 
Uh, I will what did say- you think of Oscar Isaacs seeing as you saw Star Wars first and that was kind of like your first foray into him as an actor? I, you know, it's weird because you pick up on the sincerity and the Poe of him, like how he has that Poe-ness about him, I guess is what we're going to say here. <laughs> okay. Cause, is that know, a quality now? Well, because Poe Dameron, you know, he's this gentle, really hard on his sleeve guy, wants to do the right <laughs> thing, wants to end the fight, you know, the noble soldier that never does wrong. Mm-hmm. And Nathan's kind of that guy, you know. And uh, by the way, funny thing, what's this? The mouse. It's literally been sitting here the whole time. I just didn't, I couldn't see it. It was John wow. Cena-ing me right in front of my face. <laughs> I couldn't see it. How um, about that? But no, I loved, I loved Oscar Isaacs in this movie because he's visceral. He plays multiple levels. He's the smartest yeah. guy in the room and also playing an actor as a drunk. And he's also a drunk. And there's all these levels and tears and his storyline ends in a way you wouldn't expect. Right. Let's not give that away. Well, correct. I mean, that's a deep spoiler. Deep yeah, cut, I don't want to do a deep spoiler. All I will say I is. I want people to watch this movie and enjoy it. All I want to say is that Ava finds a way to deconfine herself from this experiment. And that I want the reason I'm bringing that up, and I'm not bringing up any details of that. that that's super ambiguous, right? The reason I'm bringing that up is because it made me think, and I couldn't pose this question without kind of giving that away. Did it? As soon as you watch that, make you go, "What? If, what if they're fucking AI that are like out in the world right now? What right. the shit? Like, should I check myself? <laughs> Do I have riblets that are actually circuitry? You know, like." Right, and this movie, the dialogue in it was so smartly written, like it's totally fucking believable, you know? Yes. The science they make up behind it is like, oh, well, yeah, sure, that makes sense, yeah. And like I said, it's funny because you are literally spending the whole movie kind of like led to believe that the main character has one perspective. Right. And then the, the literally the tides turn in an instant, and you're just like, oh, shit, no, uh-huh. whoa, oh, man, come on now, we can't go right. back. And when we were talking about watching this movie, you're like, "Well, am I gonna like? Am I gonna hate this movie at the end?" Or, and I was just like, "This movie is just so crazy. It's kind of just like at the end, you're just like, oh man." <laughs> and that's kind of how the movie ended, and we were all just kind of like, "Oh, yeah, man. fate worse than death." <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> I got. I guess I have to rate this thing. Yeah, pizza. I'm going to give it a four out of five pizza slices. Mm-hmm. And you're eight out of ten. So I guess I'm <laughs> also rounding up to eight out of ten if we're mathing and doing fractions. Um, I'm giving it eight out of ten pizza slices. However, it's got that spicy jalapeno and bacon. Because <laughs> it gives you a little something. It's got a little kick to it. It throws you off. I mean, yeah. this movie's got boobs. And it's got. And it stays with you, and much like the heartburn you would get from yes, that pizza. And it's got. Really good cinematography, really well done, and also the effects are brilliant. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, the it's AI minimalistic green screening. looks so cool. Absolutely, absolutely well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of AI, we're going to have to try to keep up on our promise to Miss Lauren and catch up on Westworld, another show about AI. Oh, shit, that's coming back on um, soon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's the weekend of my birthday, the Sunday of my birthday, which is this next, actually a week from today. Yeah. Which would be not true at all. This Sunday, folks, for you listening to the show. And time traveling again. We're doing that damn time travel jazz again. Uh, I really, really, really loved Ex Machina. and Well, I'm uh, glad you liked it because you've been putting it off for years. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm so sorry. glad we finally I'm watched sorry. it. We're going to fuck the sodomites in the... In the-
I've got beer. Hell yeah, I got one too. Ready to crack open. Uh, let me get the camera a little better. No uh, one wants to see you in your frosted I, tips. Oh, whatever. They're not frosted tips, just highlighted. That, that's what frosted Frosted tips means are. it's bleached. Or not bleached, but you know, white. Doesn't matter. You got frosted tips. No. You have blood frosted tips. I like that. I like the sound of that, actually. But it's not actually, like, masculine. It's like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go any further with that. Why you gotta be like this? Just accept me for who I am. Accept me for who I am. I have. Then why'd you just ask me why I gotta be like this? <laughs> You're Man. contradicting your statement. I want you to accept me, because and you know I don't care if I accept you. No, you. <laughs> oh damn it! Gotcha. You beat me again. I'm just glad that it's like 60 degrees outside because oh, I have too. shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops on. Hell I yeah. hate wearing shoes. Hell yeah. So, we have something important to talk about today. We did some things. Um. Well, so, this is a first. Kinda. Go on. For once, uh, we see a trailer and we get to talk about it. At least we get to talk about it live first, but by the time this airs, uh, the mother podcast, Journey Into Comics, we'll probably have talked about it. Mm -hmm. But for those watching live, you get to hear it first instead of on Journey Into Comics. And all you Patreon-exclusive people get to hear it there, too. Yes. On the Podcast Menace. On the Podcast Menace. Wait, you guys, you guys are talking about that on there? The one we just watched? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I'm tired. I know. <laughs> I can see. I can see I was your completely, face. I was completely fine until I got home and I started watching, like, my daily YouTube videos, catching up on my subscriptions and stuff. And then I started, like, dozing off on, like, the last one. So, yeah, that's fun. Ugh. But, yeah, let's talk about this trailer. Solo. The newest trailer for Solo. A Star Wars story. Yes. So, um, I think you and I briefly talked about the Super Bowl, uh, the day after the Super Bowl trailer that aired um, a couple months ago, and I was I was really excited. You know, I, I've talked on all of the podcasts about how worried I am for this film for a multitude yeah. of reasons. And, We've all been worried. Well, and it you know up until. Like, they released the first trailer in February. They hadn't really given us anything to make us not worried. You know, personally, I consider Ron Howard um, one of the one of the members of the Holy Trinity. You know, you've got Lucas Spielberg and Ron Howard. Those guys have all kind of had their own little clique, and they've all done fantastic things in filmmaking and cinema. And, you know, obviously there's other greats out there like Scorsese and, yeah, you know, so on and so forth. But I, I consider Ron Howard, Spielberg, and Lucas the Holy Trinity because if you combined those three people into one, they could not make anything but fucking gold. And for the most part, all of them have. Um, I mean, George Lucas made fucking Star Wars. So, mm -hmm. but uh, anyway, back on track here. Um, even, even when I found out that Ron Howard took over, I was really excited for that. Um, I didn't find out until later that 
Ron Howard actually turned down um, the prequel or uh, the Phantom Menace. Really, he was the oh, one. Yeah, I knew that. He was the one originally picked, and I, you know, I'm I'm a big Star Wars dude, and I I didn't really key in on that. I, you know, I I had never heard that, which is more than likely my own fault. But um, so I was really excited to see him come back to the franchise or give it a chance, and then article after article, 20% reshoots, 40% reshoot, we're going to do a 60% reshoot, and then the final number uh, is somewhere above 80% of the movie that he's reshot, and uh, that's very expensive, and it's very time-consuming, and even with a great director like Ron Howard, you know, that that did it didn't it didn't make me excited and then i saw the teaser during the super bowl mm-hmm. and i was like oh yeah i'm i'm ready for this and and you know a lot a lot of it was um alden Ehrenreich, the the kid that's playing solo i'm not familiar with him i don't know of him doing anything else and star wars has that track record of taking uh underdeveloped actors and making them superstars but with with uh, everything that I because you know the initial reports were that this kid was uncoachable. Yeah, Disney had brought in the mm. uh, best acting coaches in Hollywood, and he wasn't responding to them. So that that doesn't make me feel very good about it. Later on, you find out that it was actually the director's yeah. vision that he was not doing well, and now he, uh, with Ron Howard, has done very well. So. Putting all that behind us, we get the Super Bowl trailer, and it really, really fucking amped me up for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, I, I would say I'm, I was almost as worried about Rogue One as I am with Solo, because there were so many unknowns. Um, but after seeing the first trailer, and now the second trailer, which isn't just a remash of the first trailer, there's very little of the original trailer in this one that we just watched. Yeah. So very, very excited for it. You get to see a, a good exchange between Han and Chewie where Han is just now finding out how old Chewie is. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they apparently just met. They're, they're, they're meeting for the first time in this, I think. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, Cause I've always kind of just assumed that Chewie has a life debt to mm-hmm. Han for whatever reason. And that's why, he hangs out with Han. I mean, fucking Chewie was hanging out with Yoda. Yeah, back, Not, back in the day. Back in the day, you know, he was hanging out with Yoda and fighting the the uh, separatists and all that. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they really weave this together narrative wise. Um, I mean, because you know, you look in the trailer, the Falcon is not not the Falcon that we see in A New Hope. No. This is shiny. Everything is there. The the gap in between the front of the the Falcon isn't there. It's solid. Uh, we don't see the the wonky radar dish or any of the stuff. So no, this is Lando's Falcon. Mm-hmm. It seems. And uh, you had a theory on that that this is where he's. I, I just I just had a quick idea. It, it's not the more I thought about it, it's not really a theory because it doesn't make sense monetarily or narratively that. My my idea was that 
Han basically tries to con Lando out of the Falcon. Can't do it. Lando agrees to help them, and then they basically just mutiny him and, and take his ship. But that that wouldn't really make sense. No. And we, we there's there's so much un untapped backstory between Lando and Han with you know, you see in uh, the current trilogy, you see the dice hanging in the Falcon. Those are the dice that he used to win the Falcon from Lando. Um, so, and then in the trailer, in both trailers actually, you get to see Han, or not Han and Lando sitting down gambling. So, you know, whether that's at the end, or whether part of that is at the end of the movie, and we just kind of get a Han rolls the dice, and then it, it pans to Lando, and he's just fucking mortified, or what? I don't know. I'm I'm really excited. I don't know that I'm more excited for Solo than I am for Infinity War, but part of it is I've been waiting for Infinity War for over 10 years. I've only been waiting for Solo for a couple. Well, I mean, yeah. Be- because before Rogue One and, and A Force Awakens, and The Force Awakens, I never thought that we would get kind of these vignettes. Yeah. These, you know, these standalone stories that may or may not tie in to the bigger picture. I never thought in a million years we would get anything like this. So I urge people go into this with a very open mind and do not have your expectations set very high. Because there is there is the chance that this movie is not very good. There is the chance. However unlikely that chance is, I can't say I don't think it's going to be a flop. But what I am worried about and what you and Brando and I talked about the other day is that people are so up in arms still about The Last Jedi. Good luck. I've been buying music and I need to stop that too. I told you, I told you... The first time that you told me, hey, man, I'm going to start collecting vinyl a little bit. And I said, you're, you're going to go down the rabbit hole and you're going to buy a lot more than you need to. And you're like, no, I'm, this is going to be a lot more subdued. It actually still is subdued. It still is subdued in comparison. I'm still working on that same band because I want two bands where I have. And actually, one of them, Joe gave me one. Did he give you one? He gave me Black Album. Oh, hell yeah. And he's like, I listened to it like once or twice. You can have it. I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah, that's one I don't got to buy, man. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of my... I mean, that album is very important to me. I digress. I haven't been buying games. I've been buying vinyl, so... I haven't been buying anything. That's what I need to be doing right now. Because, well, it, it, it's not entirely just because of my self-control. Um, Blaine, Dr. Dongo Tyner, and, and myself have... Uh, Put in 150 hours plus into Monster Hunter World, mm. and we're actually, we're, you know, we're so far into Endgame right now. It's to the point now where it's like, I really need to take a break from this because I, I'm getting a little bit. I'm not bored, but it's to that, it's to that monotony point where now that I've, I've, I've done all this grinding to get where I'm at. That's 150 hours of grind. Yeah. Now I need to put in another 150 hours of grind. To really be badass, and it's like I'm not I'm not mentally prepared for that right now, and I, I don't want to burn myself out of a game like that. I did that with Destiny One. I did that with Destiny Two. I don't want to do that again. 
So I told you um, yesterday I actually started a new playthrough of Mass Effect Andromeda, and I'm 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 digging it. I'm, I'm enjoying it just as much as I did the first time, and I'm basically just using it as a time killer until God of War comes out in a couple weeks. We're definitely going to talk about some upcoming game releases for the next month or two. Um, I've just been playing Skyrim on Switch. Like I've been playing probably since January at this point. Um, I, it's been a very I, I put in I, I can't remember how many hours I, it's been quite a few. But I when I played it last time I got so far and I got distracted. I haven't done that. I haven't had that game that come out or new anything. I haven't been allured by any other game. So it just like when I get time to play, the cool thing about about, about the Switch. Oh, the kids watching a movie. I can't play. Yes, I can. Boom. Yep. I, I I really look forward to that. I I told you today that uh, I'm probably going to get a or a switch this holiday season, and uh, that especially because you know my wife and I have separate living rooms, so I have my personal space. She has her personal space, but her personal space is filled with a child most of the time. So now I can come in here and still play video games yeah, you go. and not and not be bothering anybody so yeah. see I got my game room but I have a I haven't used that thing to game in so long it's crazy I just use it it's for, just your vinyl room now it's, it's my vinyl and podcasting room which brings me to my last point uh, that I want to make an update here for you guys for over a year since January of what 2017 in fact it may have been longer than that no no, 27 January 2017. We have done this show every single week without and missing one week for when my dad was in the hospital. I uh, I didn't know how long the show was going to be off. It turns out it was only off for a week. Uh, there's also a few that I made uh like a few best of stuff. Like I'm like, "Hey, remember those old pickup videos I used to do over on the Journey of the Comics YouTube channel?" Well, a lot of you guys probably haven't heard those. So what if we turn those into audio form and you can hear me we like we do pickup segments here on the show i'll just do some pickup segments and you can hear me when i was first growing my collection uh did that and then i did the best of retrospectives a thing uh a couple episodes ago but now and until we can get back on a more confirmed schedule back to every thursday like we've always been doing uh as far as recording wise i think i'm just going to go to like bi-weekly for a little while and because number one, there's not always a lot of stuff to talk about. We are there have been episodes where we have struggled to like get stuff to talk about. As case in point, I spent 45 minutes talking about music a few episodes ago. Number one, that's that's because I what I what I've been actively collecting. But number two, it's like there's not really a whole lot of news because we're like in this like spot right before E3. Yeah, we're kind of in the eye of the storm right now. Right, you know, it, we're about ready to get a, like bombarded with a whole lot of news. Well, we're get, we're getting lots of teasers for stuff, you know, and, and it's not it's not consistent. We'll get we'll get three or four things that they're throwing teasers out, and then it just dries up mm-hmm. immediately. And then you know you'll go two or three weeks, and you won't hear anything from anybody. Um, you know, you and I throw rumors and stuff like that back and forth normally while we're at work, but it's, it's been really dry here lately because, you know, especially we've got God of War coming up. We've got the Dark Souls remaster coming out next month. We've got all the big blockbuster movie releases that are going to come out in the next month and a half. And that, and that, and that's, that's what everybody's focused on. We did get a big thing of news. I think it just broke the other day. Of course, as you guys are hearing this, it's been like a week ago. Mm-hmm. 
But Spider-Man for PS4 has a release date, September 7th. And it has three different pre-orders. They announced physical, deluxe, digital, and then a collector's edition. And of course, the the, the regular is like sixty bucks. The digital deluxe is like a hundred bucks, and then the collectors is a hundred and fifty bucks. I'm half tempted to get the collectors edition myself. I I have told myself no more collectors editions because I don't have room. I think the last one I bought was Persona Five. I got that one. Uh, this one, they, uh, the, the collectors edition comes with. Comes everything that is in the digital digital deluxe edition, mm-hmm. which I guess I should have looked at what came in that one. <laughs> See, while you're while you're looking what comes in it, one of the things that I've been ag- aggravated about, focused in the industry the last couple years ago or couple years or so, like always, I'm on a podcast, I can't speak. Um, we have you know normally three to four tiers of pre order, you know types, and there's all. There's always a digital deluxe edition because we're we're trying. They are trying to give. They're trying to give us more incentive to just buy digital games so they can maximize the amount of money that they make off of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to manufacture. You don't have to. You don't have the overhead when you're manufacturing the disc. You just here's your information. Download it, and then we get maximized profit off of it. But when games don't allow you to purchase what's on the digital deluxe edition for like 15 bucks you know uh mm. monster hunter world did a great job you, you know the microtransaction things is a is a big deal right now um with battlefront 2 and monolith released a statement here recently that they were really that in their mind microtransactions killed their game and yeah. that's that's nice to see them uh, recognize that that they kind of screwed up. This microtransaction thing isn't going to go away, and we really need to kind of buckle down and get it figured out because it's it's uh, a pain in the ass, and I don't like it. But uh, yeah, give us give us the freedom to buy that stuff because, like you, I don't like buying the games digitally. I want I want to have the physical game yeah. so. Five years down the road, I can look back and say, "Hey, man, I'll pop that game in and play it." Yeah, it, it also gives you something tangible and something to sell. Mm-hmm. If I if I buy a game digitally, I can't, I can't sell it. I can't, you know. The Steam has a refund thing. Um, you can't. I, I want to say I've heard rumors that maybe Xbox might be working on something where you could turn it back in for like credit x amount prob- probably next to nothing i, I that probably prob- probably gamestop levels of well i was gonna say i'll give you, you a quarter do you think microsoft will give you more or less than gamestop would ah man i don't know but the deluxe uh the, the the digital deluxe version excuse me you get the full game download you get access to all three post-launch dlcs that's cool which uh includes new missions suits and characters and it is entitled Marvel Spider-Man: The City That Never Sleeps, and then you also get a some, you actually do get something physical. You get a a physical pin. Yeah, that's and, cool, like a little enamel pin. Enamel pin, and it's basically Spidey in the pose that he says is in, in in the cover box. Cool. So you get a couple of suits. They show you one of them. It looks basically like he's wearing a jean jacket, <laughs> maybe a windbreaker. And then you also get a spider drone gadget. You also receive uh, 
an avatar, a PS4 theme, and five extra skill points. And then the collector's edition, it's a big box. You get a white spider sticker. You get all the DLC. You get a uh, a statue, which they're not revealing yet. I, gonna, I see. I like that. They're gonna wait and uh, probably because they don't have it finalized mm-hmm. yet, is what I can uh, think. But they, I, but I like that they they haven't said like in the deluxe edition you get or the collector's edition you get a statue of Spider Man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that that wonderful bit of information. And then, of course, you get a steel book, mini art book, and then this, the same stuff from the digital. You're listening to the Voice of Survival Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Nate Phillips. Welcome to our show, the lead singer of Ice Earth and great musician in himself, Stu Block. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, I'm glad to have you here. This has kind of been a um, a cool little unintentional thing because today happens to be my birthday. And, and happy birthday to you. Thank you. And uh, and I happen to be chatting it up with uh, Stu Block from Ice Earth, so that's pretty crazy, man. Um well- I'm glad I'm glad you think that's a birthday present, man. You could be doing far more exciting things on your birthday. <laughs> Listen, stuff's pretty simple in my life. I'm not really materialistic that much. I got to see my dad today. I've got to see my family today. I get to talk to you like it's a win. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, then I'm glad to be part of it. Absolutely. Well, Stu, let's get right into your journey. While I met you in a parking lot in Indianapolis back in February and yes. had, had a hilarious interaction with a, a little guy who was looking for a ride home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was hilarious. That was a really weird thing. Totally out of nowhere. Like we uh, we decided, hey, we're gonna say hey to each other and meet up for a minute, and then um, this little guy kind of showed up and said, "Hey, can someone call me an Uber? I'll give you a hundred dollars." That was insane. Yeah. So then my journey stopped becoming like chit 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 chatting with you. Brandon kind of got to chit chat with you, and I got pulled into this other side journey. Right. Right. But then we kind of got to chit chat a little bit later when I saw you guys in Chicago uh, in March. Right. Which, let me tell you, it was cool to see the start and the end of a tour for a band, like the first and last show, because the energies are two different things, and you can tell you've been sleep-deprived and been on the road and busted your ass, and it's not as fresh off that first show. The energy's different, but then at the end of the show, you're so energy Like, you guys in Chicago just killed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how it goes. You know, at the beginning of any tour, like, you're just getting your... You're just getting getting the groove, right? You're just getting the groove. Sometimes we're changing up songs on the list and seeing how how the crowd reacts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then uh, mid mid, it's funny. We always we always chuckle because we go, well, by the end of the tour, we'll be a well-oiled machine, <laughs> you know. So it'll be it's funny how it works. But uh, no, it's all good. It was fun. I think it was a really energetic um, tour throughout the whole the whole thing because the the energy, the underlying energy of 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 course having sanctuary on there and uh the the fans were great and uh the shows were were doing well so we we had a great time absolutely and i can definitely speak on the fans perspective and say that we all had a blast um and of course you had some like cool memorable moments but we'll get to those throughout this show um within that tour but uh you born in november of 77 in vancouver is that correct uh ottawa Ottawa. Oh, cool. So Canadian born and raised. Uh, What was your first instrument? Where did you start? Did you start on an instrument? Has it always been the vocals? 
It's always been vocals for me, my friend. Yeah, it's always been vocals. Um, actually, I'd like to I'd like to take up uh, I'd like to learn a bit more guitar, but uh, you know, uh, but I've always yeah I've always nurtured the vocal aspect of of uh, of my musicianship, I guess, and just um, you know, it's I think it's worked out. <laughs> Absolutely. So per the notes that I have, uh, your according to your internet page, Omega Crom is your first band. Yeah, it was the first band uh, that I was in. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily my band. Uh, it was actually, I got into that band. I was jamming with a few people before. Um, one of my very, very first ones was actually Self Regime. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that was that was formed sort of uh, mutually. And then um, and then I found uh, Omega Crom and then we... We were, we were writing stuff together, and we played a lot of shows together. But, yeah, that, those were my first two, yeah. And that was, like, your early uh, taste of music and the and the playing in front of people and whatnot. Definitely. Uh, when did those bands kind of take shape for you? Late 90s, early aughts? Um, well, let me just think. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 2000, yeah, like pretty much like 99, 2000. Excellent. Uh, no, yeah, 99. Well, I oh, you know what? I'd actually have to say two, 1998 was when it all really when I made the decision that I wanted 9899 is when I made the decision that I wanted to pursue this really seriously and then uh so yeah, now now here we are almost 20 years later. Yeah, man. And uh it's definitely been an incredible journey. Of course, along the way after the Omega Crom, you went into a new venture which was into Eternity. Yes. What yeah, is that, that experience like for you? That was killer because, um, <clears throat> of course, in Omega Crom, like I was, I was doing the hybrid thing where I was doing the falsettos mixed with the, with the death vocals and uh, the, and then the traditional classic power metal vocals, and then um, we toured with them, and then we played in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, where I, where I live now, and uh, we uh, basically. Um, Played at a place where the the Tim Roth, the uh, <clears throat> the leader of Into Eternity, was there. He, he I guess he heard about us coming in. He knew that and he liked high singers, and he knew that I was doing the falsetto stuff. And uh, and we did that. We did that show. We did, a, and we also did a cover of Painkiller and uh, Welcome Home by by King King Diamond. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it was funny. I never really got to meet him after the show. He just kind of took off. But I was like, okay, well that sucks. And then he contacted me later. Um, and he said he was really, really impressed and that he wanted to try me out. And, uh, I guess the rest is history. I came out there and tried out and got the gig. Got the yeah, gig. It, it was a really cool transition because it was like, I've been from the lowest level all the way till now. Right. So I've done every level, um, with a, a couple of different bands. I've done every, every different level of touring that you could possibly imagine. Right. Fun. Everything, from the lowest fucking end you know, not playing to like four people, you know, on no stage and basically no PA, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to, to playing freaking arenas with, you know, it's, it's, it's really been a cool, cool thing to see those transitions actually come to think of it. I mean, from like from you, like you were saying from local bars where you're playing for a couple people, they say like, what's yeah. a monitor? We don't know what monitors are. We just yeah, like fuck off. Just yell if you have to whatever You're like, right no i'm a singer i need to hear what's going on man yeah. um and then from that all the way to like ancient corion where you guys played cyprus um that i mean I, those are two very far apart spectrums that are incredible right 
Sure, for sure. And I think dues were paid to get there, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we had, there's a lot of shit you have to go through in order to get to that point or to be at those achieving mo- or those moments of achievement that you feel are moments of achievement. Um, I feel I'm, I'm, success is relative, right, to the person, right? But I think I am probably one of the most successful people I know. You know, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's really like, I'm very proud of what I've done. And I'm, I could, God forbid, but I could die tomorrow and I'd be very happy. You know, I'd still be, I wouldn't regret anything or I'd, I'm not going to be on my deathbed regretting anything because I took chances and I did stuff that, and I'm very proud of what I, what I've done. And, and, and I, just because I'm not a millionaire, uh, success, like I say, success is relative. Um, I know people that are very successful in music and that have big houses and that are, and that's their level of success and that's success for them. But for me, my levels of success is just doing what I've done. I'm happy. That's great. And if I make a million doing it, which I don't think I'll ever do, um, but that's not my goal. Money is not a goal. But if it ever happened, that's just the gravy, man. That's perfect. That's great. You know what I mean? I can, I can save more cats. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, That's awesome that you brought up cats because obviously you're a humongous cat lover. Anybody yeah. who follows you on Instagram can easily go through and see a ton yeah. of different cool cat pictures and things you've memed with cats and whatnot. Uh, sure. Does that mean we should just start calling you Lucifer or right. Stucifer? Yeah, Lucifer, right? No, but they do call me the because I. It's funny because I'm kind of like a cat. When I'm on tour, I sleep like 13, 14 hours a day. I don't, I don't party a lot. I mean, I pick my battles, of course, and they whenever I, yeah, whenever I say I'm going to party, they're like, oh fuck, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I pretty much go off, but it's very rare that I do. So. Um, they put me in the hockey helmet and tell me and give me a bottle of whiskey and say, don't hurt myself. But, you know, uh, but it's, uh, I, I, they call me the cat because I sleep a lot, man. And, and I'm like always kind of, you know, sleep. And so like, Oh my God, it's the cat. Go wake up the cat. You know? So maybe I am spawned from a feline, some sort of feline from a past life. Who knows? Well, and on this past tour, you did a lot of climbing. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, a lot of energy, lot of energy on that show. For Brent, sure. Brent's drum, uh, riser had you all over it. Uh, yeah. I saw many pictures where you were on top of that thing. And then of course uh, in Chicago, you were able to do that. Not the same in Indy cause that place was so low ceilinged. I do right, recall, right. but, uh, Anyways, going back to Into Eternity, you guys released two albums together in your time with the band, uh, Scattering of Ashes in 2006 and The Incurable Tragedy in 2008. Now, in the middle of that, in 2007, you got to tour with one of your, I do believe, favorite bands in Dream Theater, right? Yes. Yeah, we got to do that. That was great. Yeah, that was pretty spectacular freaking moment, man. Like, uh, we were all all super stoked on that one for sure. Has to be Uh, an unreal experience for you. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Brews with Dudes. I'm your host, Nick Maxson, and I'm in a pretty good mood tonight. Uh, It's been a really long, fun day, and I'm excited to kind of recap it with my good buddies. Dr. Dongo's back with us. How you doing? What's up? And we've got Austin Hill again. Hey, hey, hey. We're going streaky! 
So, we are going to jump right in with, with our, Austin uh, being jackass. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is called the Dark Breed Black IPA. Uh, it's from St. John Malt Brothers. I think that sounds right. I'm not terribly sure. I'll start pouring that. Uh, yeah. Dr. Dongo, how's your day been going? My day has been going pretty good. You know, I woke up. I Well, yesterday, I went after work, I went to the... Whoa. That is wow. straight foam. That wasn't my best pour. <laughs> that, that was a very heady boy. I, I started my three-day weekend by going to urgent care because I've had... Uh, pain in my jaw for like the last month that I eventually like an impacted wisdom tooth that might be cystic. It's not. Uh, it's it's what is called lame. T- TPJ or something like that. Um, it's basically if you're grind if you grind your teeth and you're asleep a lot, it it, ha- it can happen. Oh um, shit! I should get that looked into. So it, and I, I thought it was an ear infection because it was starting to go into like the base of my ear. Uh, some people also thought maybe it could have been an abscess, but. Yeah, so I started off by going to urgent care. They prescribed me a bunch of shit. Head off of that, Nick. And uh, so I woke. I woke up this morning feeling pretty good after the medication they gave me. And uh, we we started the day rather early. Six six p or six a. Actually, you know what? Started early at six (laughs) p.m. It's funny. I actually almost overslept because I had my regular work alarms going off. Those went off, and I turned them off. I turned them off because I had another one set for six. And then I slept right through it, and Miranda pops in. She's like, hey. Miranda, an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda, an intellectual. Yes. How is how is she doing? She's doing much better. She's been having a rough week, the Facebook yeah. tells me. Yeah, she's doing much better. She's still not 100, but, you know, it. I, I hope she gets better. They Those doctors really didn't do shit for her. They didn't even try to figure out what was wrong. It's funny how you go to the doctor and show them something that you think is relatively common. I mean, you know, we've been doing this whole, you know, what is it, modern-day medicine for about a century, and there's billions of people on Earth. Mm-hmm. So when I got a weird thing going on, you'd think that somebody would know what's going on, but surprisingly, well, no. No one has any idea what the fuck's going on. If they had tried to figure out what was going on, yes, they probably could have done something. They found, like protein and blood in her urine which is a sign of kidney infection or kidney stone possibly other things as well but they didn't do anything instead they gave her a breathing treatment hmm. which makes no sense They're like yeah your chest is a bit tight we're gonna give you a breathing treatment well i'm, I'm gonna venture a guess that she probably doesn't want us getting into her personal no. life too much so um <laughs> i just described what do we have here the the uh dark breed black ipa yeah um let's see what they have to say about it a sinister breed from the saint john malt brothers family Dark Breed has been locked away from humanity until the day the world could manage and appreciate such darkness. Finally, that day has come. 6.2% ABV and 55 IBUs. Boys, let's get into it. Yeah. I like the little mugs with tiny handles we're drinking from. Hmm. It's very it's good. It's a very stouty IPA. Mm, it is. It's very, very crisp. Yeah, kind of smooth and clean stout. Well, here's a shock. We got a, We got a guest coming in the door out Good. of nowhere. We've got uh, Mr. Uh, I believe in my phone I've got him saved as Van Halen. For some reason, I wanted to call him Van Helsing when he walked in. Uh, but Van Smith, the uh, the uh, the Lucifer himself, uh, looks like he just got off of work. So he's looks like there's a little bit left of this this beer. So 
Do we uh, have another mic we could hook him into? He's going to be our couch, our couch sitter. Couch you can hear, you can kind of hear him yelling in the background, but that's about it. I'm digging this. Yeah, it's all right. It's, I uh, I picked this up on my way to Jerry Lee's. I can't remember what show it I, was. Hey, Mister uh, Lucifer, might I peek at that can? Mister Helsing. Yeah, I, I picked so, this up at the uh, uh, the one of the liquor stores over in West Lafayette. And I just I just saw it. I was I was there to pick up some like anti hero or something. That's when I picked up the Denali and Northwestern Hero and all that. But I just saw it. And I'm like, yeah, this would be a good one for uh, future brews with dudes. I have only had a couple black IPAs. Um, I'm gonna venture a guess that it's just the um, the grain bill. They probably just use a, a a grain or a malt that's much darker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting kind of. Kind of chocolatey tones, though. Yeah, it, it's got a very maltiness to it. Like, you can taste more of the malt than the uh, actual uh, hops. 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 This is very much a hop soda. I'm getting, like, a lot of carbonation. Barley pop. That looks like a mini root beer. Yeah. Hey, these glasses are pretty cute. They're better. I got them for Christmas. I love um, these. I love these. They, they're pretty much, they look like little mason jars, except they've got a handle on them. Um, it was better than the the pint glasses I got. I don't remember what they said on them or something about beer o'clock. Yeah. And after one Je- like one wash, the text rubbed off. I was uh. like, "Way to fucking go!" And it was one of those typical. I think of uh, think of Gordon's. No, Gordman's. Gordon's. It was. You go it, to Gordman's and they've got stupid. They they're or J C Penny or Coles and stuff. Holiday gifts. Yes. It's like a box set, and it's like, oh, I've got that one nephew that locked craft beer, so I'm going to get him this pitcher, and and it was like, this is garbage. This is total oh, garbage. Yeah. Thank you, but but you could have gotten me like a uh, what am I thinking of? Like a gift card to the liquor store. But that seems <laughs> when I say that out loud, it sounds kind of <laughs> silly. Just give me a liquor store gift card because. We all know better. I think Tex, uh, his parents for Christmas got him like a $100 gift card to uh, Great Fermentations, which is the place we get our beer supplies. So, like, that's a little better. Yes. Like, we're not giving you the alcohol itself, but we're giving you the means to make the alcohol. So, the that's means awesome. of drinking. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. It's, it's, I'm getting it's, a lot of it, carbonation. Like, yeah, I don't think I've ever had anything from these guys. Yeah. St. John's? Nope. Never heard of them. Me neither. Like I've, I've had a few black IPAs before. But this, this is definitely a better one. I've not been a fan of them. But really? Yeah. This is not my favorite that I've had, but it's still a pretty I good have, beer. I can't say I've had anything worth mentioning before. I, I had a, I want to say a, uh, they make a, I can't even remember the name of the beer. I know it just tastes like dirt to me now, but I used to really like it. <laughs> dirt. It, it's a, All right. Uh, what kind of beer is this? Oh, it's a dirt IPA. Uh, tastes kind of like dirt. It tastes kind of like It's a brown like ale. Earth. <laughs> a bit earthy. So, this is probably, if I was venturing a guess, somewhere around the 15th beer we've had today. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a long day, which, as uh, Dongo alluded to, started... Um, right around uh, 6.30 a.m. Yeah. for us. We left We left a little bit before 7. So we uh, we were going to 4.50 for another release. Um, 
Austin, Brett, and I met at my house. We almost got to the interstate before I realized I didn't have my wallet. So we turned around, went back and got it. We jumped off the uh, interstate down near Indianapolis to pick up our friend Chris Charles. Hi, Chris. Uh, hey, Chris. We know we're, you're listening. Hey, Chris. Um, Chris is uh, a really, really fun dude. Uh, he might not like me mentioning it, but he is in a band called Bizarre Noir. Uh, I really like that band. It's a really fun band. Um, we were really, Austin and I brought up how excited we were that this was our first time hanging out with Chris, um, outside, outside of, of a show. show or a music setting. Like it was just some dudes hanging out. Um, and we had a lot of fun. He wasn't in the car for fucking one minute before we were all just full bellied laughing, awesome. having a great time. It was yeah. awesome. It was just like the, the best part was after we got there, besides the full belly laughing, we get there. I made the comment about. Man, careful, man. He's got beverage in his hand because he just had a, a mug of coffee that was, like, full. Like, he just started drinking it. And then Nick makes the comment of spilling hot coffee on his dick. And then we get to the fucking 450, and we sit down, and he's got a coffee spill in the car on his pants. On his dick. <laughs> on his dick. He literally spilled coffee on his dick. <laughs> and he I'm blamed like a, me. <laughs> I saw it coming. I saw it coming. We, we gave proper foreshadowing and everything. Hey, man, be careful. Hold on to that. Don't spill it. I got to say, McKinley was not messing around when he said 450 North is in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. Was yeah. that your first time ever being there? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh. That's why I didn't go. Oh, that's Spo- why you well, didn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later yeah. when we get to that point. Yeah. So they started They started changing the way that they do these releases because they kept getting more people. Um, and people kept complaining because they make allotments. <sighs> like your you can beer only is get- just... It's just too good. It's a problem. Stop. It's a problem. So <laughs> they've been working, you know, release after release, trying to come up with a, a good method to make it happen. And they finally implemented something where if you're the first 50 people in line, then you are guaranteed the allotments that they originally posted. Because for people like us who drive an hour and a half, it's like you yeah. said I could get four of each one. And I get there, you know, I drive all this way. And then you tell me, oh, we changed the allotment because there's too many people in line. Like. No, 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 Bubba. I've been standing here in line forever. So they're finally starting to work on that. Well, yeah. Uh, we tried coming up with several different reasons. I'm going to go ahead and blame myself for the whole wallet thing. But <laughs> we, were, we were somewhere between 50 and 60 in line. We barely mm-hmm. missed the fucking cut. Barely missed it. You got um, there like maybe five, ten minutes after we got our wristbands. It sucks. But you'll find out as we progress through the story that it wasn't such a bad thing. No. Um, so we're sitting there in line. This time we finally brought a cooler full of beer. Um, Busted out the chairs. We got the chairs. We got the beer. So we get there at 9 o'clock. We got there right at 9 o'clock, and we were cracking beers at 9.02. You know, we were like, all right, we got the chairs out. Let's get moving. Yeah, we walked right up to the line immediately, just threw the chair yep. out, sat down, cracked a beer open, and everybody around us was like, what are they doing? Like, oh, they're, they're like, oh, you brought beer? We brought beer. We brought beer. And, and so it the was whole- like within... Yeah, five minutes of us cracking a beer. There's already somebody coming over. Oh, hey, you want to sample this beer? Right. Yes, please. We brought a we brought a huge bag of fifty little plastic cups, and we just we were handing them out <laughs> left and right. We were smashing beers. I mean, I to, be, to be fair, we only drank maybe two or three beers a piece when it was all said and done. Yeah, they were all samples. But the majority of the beers that we were trying were well over ten percent, just total ass kickers. Yeah, that that one dude, he was carrying around like nothing but stouts. 
and sure. they were so good. Yeah. Right before we got there, Nongo, tell them what, what awesome beer you were offered. Oh, like 10, 15 minutes into me being in line when we first got there, that same guy offered me uh, and Tyler, um, Tyler McLaughlin, co-host Podcastrophy. He joined us today as well. Uh, but we got offered Dark Lord 2017. That's awesome. And, you know, it, 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 it's not my favorite. As you, as you know, I'm not a fan of the stouts. Especially the ones that are aged. and Yeah, you know, but it was really smooth. Really yeah. smooth. Yeah. It went down real easy. It went down like this. I enjoyed it. By the time this airs, we will know if any of us managed to snag Dark Lord tickets for 2018. 